Welcome to another edition of the A-List Podcast. I'm your host, Ashra Blakely, with the co-host with the most, Kwani A. Lunas. What's up, Kwani? What's up? I'm doing well. We have game one in the books, so now we can analyze how the Celtics performed against the Nets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do got game one in the books. And the outcome wasn't a shock to anyone. Uh, the way... It came about. Some people may be surprised, some people not. Um, it, it seemed like it was very much like the Celtics season. Bits and pieces of really great basketball. You're feeling good about that. And then they would inexplicably get away from that and play a brand of basketball that reminds us all as to why this team won as many games in the regular season as they lost. What are your big takeaways uh, from that? just the first first game? Well, the biggest takeaway, and I know we'll talk about him, I'm sure, throughout this podcast, is Robert Williams really coming out and surprising. (laughs) Exactly. Not really – I I would say surprising the Nets because it it seems as though they didn't really expect him to come out the way he did. But I think anyone that's watched when he was able to be in games this past season, we weren't really shocked to see him perform the way that he did. Yeah, and 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 let, let's just stick with time, Lord, since we're on this on the subject. I mean, the thing that jumped out to me was how impactful he was and didn't play a ton of minutes. And it, mm-hmm. it, it reminds me of, you know, when I hear, you know, people talk about, oh, you know, this player, he didn't get a chance to play very long, and that's why he couldn't get it going. I'm thinking, right. like, you do realize this dude just dropped a damn near triple-double rebounds, <laughs> assists, and points, did it in about 20 minutes, came one rebound and one block shot away from having a triple-double. And I don't hear I don't hear Rob complaining about, man, if only I had just more minutes, I could have been more impactful. He made the most of the minutes he was out there. And uh, it's definitely going to give Brooklyn something to think about for game two because I, there's no question that if he wasn't on the scouting report relatively high before, he damn near going to be near the top right next to Jason Tatum if you're the Brooklyn mm-hmm. Nets. Absolutely. What else stood out to you in that game? Well, something stood out and for all the wrong reasons. Uh, I'm thinking specifically about Kimba. I love Kimba. I really do. Fournier, I'm starting to like him. Uh, Starting to like him. And and Tatum, who I love. But I thought Kimba, his entire game just wasn't what it needed to be for the moment. Uh Fournier has a golden opportunity with Jalen Brown out to really showcase his ability to impact the game, both as a scorer, a facilitator, and doing some of all some of the dirty work that JB did didn't come anywhere close to being that good. And Tatum in the second half was MIA. He was yeah. not able to do what the really, really great players are able to do, and that is impact the game uh, and not necessarily have to do it by scoring. You can do it by playmaking. You do it by with your defense. Tatum just wasn't impactful in any way, shape, or form uh, in that game. And, and for me, it was – Kind of like, like, as I said earlier, kind of like their season where you see bits and pieces of really good play, but not enough to get the win. And and that has to change if they're going to be more than just uh, a team that's competitive for a half a play. Yeah, I actually was on the 617 pod this past weekend, and they asked me, who do I think will be that it factor for the Celtics? And I said Evan Fournier because we've seen spurts of what he can do for this team. And when it comes to scoring, it seems as though he might be – the third, fourth best person to be able to fulfill that that void that we now see with the lack of Jalen Brown being able to play. So I think he definitely does need to step, step up offensively and give them the scoring that they need because I, I can't really think of anyone else that 
could potentially do it as consistently as I think that he can. Yeah, and I tell you who does not need to step up, and that's Brooklyn's big three. Uh, they pretty much took the first half and put it in cruise control, and then they just it was a they got woke in the second half in a way that the Celtics don't want to see. Uh, finished the, the, and we're talking about Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden they had a combined eighty-two points, shot better, shot around fifty percent from the field, which you don't want to see those guys do. Had a, a number of assists, and they did the things that greats do, and. For the Celtics, it felt as if, as if a golden opportunity was wasted because those guys really didn't seem all that e- eager and engaged to just throttle them in the first half. It seemed they were more concerned about making sure the teammates got going a little bit than they were about their own games. And when that happens, you got to take advantage of that. I mean, Robert Williams gave you just a historically awesome game. You did not capitalize on that. Uh, Tatum, like I said uh before I think Tatum's going to have to be a 30 to 40 point score in this series for Boston to have a shot at winning he has to be that good and he has to be that good in an efficient manner uh but certainly Brooklyn's big three had a lot to do with impacting the game getting Brooklyn off to the start that they certainly want to have and we will actually talk a little bit more about the Brooklyn Nets in the coming minutes and moments uh we bring in Brian Lewis of the New York Post he's going to join us and give us the inside dirt dirt on those Brooklyn Nets because they damn sure aren't my Brooklyn Nets. Uh, that's for damn sure. Uh, and, I, and they're not, I don't think they're yours either, Quanny. The Jersey Nets? Nah, not really. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, the minute they left Jersey, we're done. We're done. Yeah. Can't even like, like, can't even like, like regionally claim them anymore. Um, yeah. so, uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll have, we'll certainly have Brian Lewis on uh, any minute now. And, um, again, we'll talk a lot about the Nets in this series, obviously. How y'all doing? Good. Wonderful, wonderful. How you doing? All right, I can't complain. I heard you talking before. Now the Nets were about 12 minutes from my house when they were in Jersey. So I was really? not happy <laughs> to see the commute go up to two hours. Yeah, you're talking to two people who were born in New Jersey. So Wait, do you uh, live in Newark? I live in Hackensack. So I'm, oh, I'm, okay. I'm before, before the rock, I'm talking the swamp. Okay. okay, okay. <laughs> so about twelve minutes from my house. Now so about gonna, two hours yeah. in rush hour. So now, Kwani, right. you're from one of the oranges. I can't remember which direction. The main orange. East? Orange. Okay. The main one. Orange. Orange. Okay. Because yeah. you yeah, know there's east orange. orange. I know. Right. I'm orange though. <laughs> okay. Brian, where should we begin? Um, where do we begin? You got. <laughs> Brooklyn got the win, obviously. And and, and Kyrie, James, Katie, they did their thing. Uh, for guys that only played just a handful of games together, it seemed that it, it took them a, basically two quarters to kind of get to where they really were kind of in a nice flow. Uh, what were some of your takeaways though, from the, the first game of their, their postseason run with the big three, the new big three for Brooklyn? Well, I'd say – I would say I would agree with the assessment or anybody that thinks Boston might have lost a golden opportunity. Mm. Um, I mean, when you get the first shot, you get the first punch in Mm. and you have an opportunity to go steal game one. I mean, and we look at, listen, the Lakers lost, Utah lost, Clippers lost. You have a chance to go into Brooklyn and get game one and you don't. And then by the time you look up, you're down by a dozen that's a golden opportunity missed. I mean, I think KD was one of eight from deep. Kyrie, like two of eight. Even Joe Harris missed shots. Right. And he, he never missed a shot. That, that Boston blow, in my mind. 
Yeah, I would agree. Now, one of the things, and, uh, and, and I'll pass off the corny after this, one of the things that I thought Brooklyn and probably Celtics were a little bit unsure of was, was the role that Robert Williams III would, would play in the game. Um, he's a guy that has certainly helped them at different points during the season, but with his uh, toe injury, you just never really knew. The dude had a damn near triple-double with points, rebounds, and block shots, which is one of the more unusual but impactful triple-doubles. How has that game affected or impacted the way Brooklyn is going to, uh, you know, kind of go into this next one? Well, I think they're certainly a little more aware of him now than they were then. I'm not saying that they didn't weren't aware that he was long and that he was agile and whatnot, but I don't think they were prepared for that. Um uh, and they have to be a little smarter in the way they attack him. And I think they're aware of that now. That was another thing. This is what I'm saying. When you get a performance like that from a guy, from what I understand, I mean, he's basically game time decision. You don't know what his, how bad his toe is going to be. You get a performance like that. That's kind of something that you have to close out on because I would imagine just based on what the Nets have been saying about him when asked, saying we have to be smarter in the way we attack him. Nash is like, yeah, some of those shots that we attempted against him were ill-advised. We have to be, we were naive in the way we attacked him. I think they would be more prepared for him in game two. Um, and I think that was an opportunity in game one lost for them. Mm -hmm. Bruce Brown, the local kid, at least here out of Boston, he's had a pretty good season. What would you say he's contributed the most to this Brooklyn Nets team? Uh, it's hard to pinpoint just one thing because he's contributed so much to this team. He's yeah. the kind of player that I think all New York fans love. And if he were playing in Boston, I imagine all Boston fans would love him because, frankly, Boston fans and New York fans quite as that are not that different. They may hate each other, but they're not that different. Uh, he's physical. He gives up his body. He plays defense. He plays hard every single time he's out there. The little floaters that he hits, those are just gravy. I mean, who knew he could do that? Be like a, a roll man at 6'4 on a pick and roll and get the job done. Yeah. Um, but Bruce Brown is one of the rare defensive players on a team that has played ambivalent defense for much of the season. They don't have a lot of guys that'll get in your grill defensively because that's just not how they're built, right? That's not what you expect Kyrie to do for 72 games. That's not what you expect Harden to do for 72 games. When you look at their, when you look at their backcourt, Landry Shamit, right. Tyler Johnson, there just aren't that many guards who defend on this roster. He's about the only one. So that's why he's so important. He's physical. He plays like a safety, which he is, you know, yes. that's why he's so important to this team. And the, the thing that, that I love about Bruce is that, he just gets it. Uh, he understands his role. He's not trying to go out there and drop 20. He's not trying to go out there and be anything other than Bruce Brown. And it brings me to, to my question for you, Brian, and, and check me on this, but he's eligible for an extension, I believe, this offseason. Yeah, I mean, and, and he has an to me. It's he's one of those guys that I think a lot of teams value what he does. But putting an actual number to that is a little tricky. That is a concern. I mean, it's not a concern for him. <laughs> it's right. He's going to get paid. Somebody's going to pay that man. Right. More power to him. So I'm not trying to get in his pocket. Good for him. 
Uh, I think it's a concern for them because they're trying to judge, okay, what is his value out there? And it only takes one, yep. right? If somebody's going to come up and give him eight, five, nine million dollars, mm-hmm. what do we do with that? And the question is, do other teams look at him as a construct of James Harden? And I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but when you look at his offense and you look at all these little floaters that he's hidden wide open, what exactly is that worth out there? Right. And that's their concern. They're trying to figure it out. They're trying to figure out what kind of offers will he get out there? Because it only takes one to come in with some nine point five million dollar offer. And you're like, now, now we got to right. find another defender. <laughs> right. right, right. It only it only needs one team. Yeah, because I mean, you're talking about a team that has three max contract type guys. Then you got Joe Harris, who's getting paid big money. And at that point, it's like, oh, what can we do beyond those contracts? Because you need obviously those four guys because they play such important, critical roles in the team's success. And here on the A List podcast. BetOnline.ag plays a critical role in our success. Yes, BetOnline.ag, sponsor of the A-List podcast. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, as well as the NBA playoffs, which is what we're talking about and we are about right now. Uh, You can track all the latest news, odds, and info for all your betting needs, sporting needs. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything and everything before the next pitch, before the next jump shot, dropped by hopefully Jason Tatum, hopefully Kyrie Irving, hopefully Kevin Durant, hopefully Evan Fournier, and all those guys playing in that Brooklyn-Boston series. We got it all. Bet online, your online sportsbook expert. And don't forget the welcome bonus, 50% code CLNS50. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Now, we, we talked a little bit about Robert Williams earlier, um, but there's another guy that's a pretty big deal for the Boston Celtics. His name is Jason Tatum. What, what was the game plan for just dealing with Tatum, and how close did the Brooklyn Nets come to executing that game plan? Because he really did seem to be a much more limited player in the second half of game one than he was in the first. Well, I mean, I think the game plan changed. I think game plan one didn't work, so you had to go to game plan two. Um, Blake Griffin's given them a lot. Uh, more you talking than about I the think, Celtics or Brooklyn? <laughs> I think Blake Griffin gave Brooklyn more than some people anticipated because, you know, in Detroit, we kept hearing how, oh, he's washed. He's yeah. gotten um, But – The Celtics, I thought, did some nice things in getting him isolated and taking advantage of him. And I know, you know, he left with about, what, maybe four minutes left in the third quarter. You didn't see him again. Right. Um, You saw Jeff Green, who is switchable. Mm -hmm. You saw Nick Claxton, who I think is vastly underrated and eminently switchable. He he doesn't care. He guards everybody. Mm -hmm. So... Once those guys came in and Tatum didn't have that matchup advantage, that's when you see him now. He's going 0 for 6 in a second. So the initial game plan didn't work. So you had to go to game plan two. But that's the playoffs, right? right. So now we'll see. Uh, the Celtics are going to switch their game plan. The Nets are going to have to adjust to that. That's 
that's the beauty of the playoffs. That's why we love the playoffs, right? It's adjusting Absolutely. to the adjustments. Absolutely. Kemba Walker has seemed to struggle both times that the Celtics have faced the Nets this season. Why do you think that is? What do you think that the Nets have been able to do to contain him? Well, I mean, in this game, right, uh, just judging from what Kemba was saying, he was saying, listen, I got looks. I just didn't hit them. And he also admitted that the foul trouble threw him off, um, which is, you know, now listen, he's not he's not a rookie. I mean, he's a veteran player, so you should be able to deal with playing through foul trouble. That's when real. you're that age and you are that experienced and you are that good, these are the things that coaches trust veteran players to do. But that being said, this was his contention. He's like, hey, I got looks. I know how to shoot. I just missed him. And foul trouble, I got in foul trouble. Whether the fouls were good calls or not is not relevant. So these are the things that he is saying threw him off in game one. So we will see in game two. Now, you're right. He missed, I think, two of the three games that they played during the regular season. And the only other one he played, I think he had 11. Yeah, he had 11. It was right after and the All-Star. It was the first 40. game after the break, too. Yeah. And Kyrie had 40. Right. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll just leave it there. <laughs> See, that, that that is such a perfect, like, mic drop moment right there. You hit yeah. at 11. Kyrie had 40. Yeah. And part of, part of my thinking was that, to your point, Brian, the last time you played these, these dudes, he, that dude in front of you dropped 40. Dropped 40. You dropped 11. And yet you're both – all-stars came into the league literally the same time same draft class i would think that there'd be a little bit more of a a, you don't want to take games too personal but at the same time you absolutely should in some moments take things personal i didn't think kimba took that that, i didn't think kimba took that moment as personally as i wish he would have Mm. yeah i'd agree with your assessment i mean i think guys are self-aware enough to say the right things all right team game yeah. All that matters is fun score. Got to make the right plays. But you know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And that dude dropped 40 on my head, and we lost. Right. Right. So I was I was a little surprised. Now, granted, I haven't seen that much of Kemba when he's not playing the Nets, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm not in a position where I'm watching Celtics-Kings, where I'm watching Celtics-OKC. Uh, and I know, obviously, he wasn't. You know, I mean, what he missed, like seven out of the last 11 games or whatever. So, you know, I don't know what kind of form he was in coming into this. Right. Mm-hmm. You guys would be better suited to tell me than I would tell you or anybody else. So I, I can't speak to that, but they can't win. I, I shouldn't say can't. I think there's a one in a thousand chance that they win. With him playing like that. Yeah. I yeah. thought it was, I thought, listen, I thought it was a tough matchup for them if they had Brown. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now you take away Brown, fine, okay. They can't win if they're going to expect Tatum to get 30. He can't drop 50 every right? night. <laughs> which, which he's probably going to need to do anyway. Yeah. Right? And then have Kemba shoot like that. Yeah. That's just not a recipe for winning. Which is why I wrote, you know, before the season stuff, before the play-in, I said, Brooklyn should want Boston. 
and it's not about any of the narratives. It's not about, oh, get to see Kyrie go back to, it's not about that or putting the talk about the trade to bed. I'm just saying this is about business. This isn't personal. This is about business. You should want that Boston team, right? Because if I can take away Tatum, what are they going to do? Right. And in the playoffs, you, I mean, you usually can take away one guy. Right. Now, you may get killed by the others, depending on how good the, quote, others are. But they can't win with Kemba playing like that. Now, he's better than that, and he can play better. Mm-hmm. The question is, will he play better? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, we, and the more we talk, Brian, and the, the more I think about it, it's just like, what the hell do the Nets really have to be worried about in this series? Well, I mean, from a from a micro sense, you got to be worried about getting killed on the boards. They're not the biggest team, and when I say not the biggest team, I'm assuming that DeAndre is not playing. They're right. not the biggest team. They're not the best rebounding team. So yeah, you worry about somebody getting after you on the boards. Um, I think mostly which is this has nothing to do with the Celtics, and this is entirely internal. They're worried about getting hurt because they can't stay healthy. Right. I mean, I get it. They're conservative, and they do tend to put guys in bubble wrap to keep them fresh. But, I mean, 202 minutes? <laughs> I know. 200? That That's – they spent so little time on the court together. It's less than the runtime of the Irishman is a joke that Steve Nelson said. That's how little time they were on the court together. So they are worried about their health. I think they have a uh, an internal conceit, let's call it, mm-hmm. that if we're healthy, we, can, we have a chance to beat anybody. That is their attitude, right? They would rather be 100, or not 100, because Spencer Dinwiddie hasn't played all year, basically. Right. Other than him, if we're healthy, we'd rather be healthy and be the number two or even three seed and, and take our best shot at somebody than drive hard to the finish and you get to the end of the year and you're the number one seed. Oh, but Katie's Achilles is tight. Oh, Harden's hamstring acting up. Oh, Kyrie's pinky toe or whatever. You know, they yeah. just – they would rather be healthy and take their shots. So that those are probably the biggest – concerns is staying healthy and going into keeping all their guys fresh and be, yeah, on a micro sense. Yeah. They're worried, I guess about, you know, Celtic pride and Celtics getting on them on the glass and beating them up physically. Those are your probably biggest concerns. Yeah. I, I buy that. I, I the, the one that I, I would probably um, be most concerned with, well, beyond health is just that internal confidence that you talked about because when you are as good as they are on an individual basis and now all of a sudden you've got like basically three deadly weapons of mass destruction every single game that as you pointed out Brian teams know how to figure out they can figure out a way to take out one of your core guys but when you've got three top five top ten ish players even if you take out one you're dealing with a couple of top ten players after that um, I worry about them being too confident that because of their talent that they can just kind of cruise their way through it. Uh, and I, I thought in, in retrospect, I thought the idea of trying to get others involved early, get those guys confidence makes sense. But 
I do worry that there may be there may come a point either in this series or another series where they'll just come out the gates and like, look, we're just going to bury this team from day one. We're, and they're going to basically be that three man band. And when things get a little tough in that particular game, it may not be there because they kind of empty the clip in the first couple of quarters. I do worry about them just staying the course, doing what they've been doing all year long and not get outside themselves. Because if they don't get outside themselves, I don't know too many. I mean, the thing people forget about about the playoffs, you have to beat a team four times to bury yeah. them. You can't just have a good night. You just can't have a 50-piece and be like, we did it. I got my 50-piece. You got to do it four times, and that's hard. That is so hard, um, which is why they're, they're the team I think will win it all. Well, they've got – listen, they haven't – you're right. They haven't done it together. Right. We haven't seen KD, Kyrie and Harden do it together, but they do have. I mean, when you look at their veteran leadership and I'm discounting uh, again, I'm discounting DeAndre from that because right now he's not in the rotation. Right. They've got about probably 15,000 minutes a playoff action. <laughs> right? They've been around a little bit. They got Their a little veteran experience. leaders have played about 450 playoff games. And I'm, I'm throwing Jeff Green in there, and I'm throwing mm-hmm. Blake Griffin in there. It, it played about 450 playoff games. Right? So, yeah, they feel like, listen, there aren't a lot of things people can throw at us that we haven't seen and play it through. And, yes, there are times when they kind of ease their way into things. There are times when they are probably a little bit too much. They, they're probably a little too lackadaisical about things as in like the first half of a game and say, yeah, we can, we'll figure a way. We'll figure it. Sometimes that's worked. Like they, they were down two dozen Phoenix and win. They were down 21 to Phoenix. And win, right. But they've had a couple ego checks this year. And in both of those occasions, they got embarrassed. Right. They got embarrassed in Detroit. And then won like eight straight after that. And then they lost these games down the stretch. Now, these are good teams now. Back to back to Milwaukee and so forth. Lost like four in a row. And then they closed winning five in a row. So every now and then. They get their ego smacked. And it's usually good for them. Right. Because every now and then you need that. Mm-hmm. Every now and then, on occasion. Um, so yeah, I would be concerned about. I don't think that you'll see these guys come out attacking necessarily from minute one. I think these guys will probably say, "All right, let me try to get Joe Harris going," because they need him. You know, he hasn't put on a full playoff series yet, right? He got what well, he played two years ago against Philly, and they smothered him. Right. And then last year he was on fire and then he had to leave in the bubble for a family. So at some point they'll need him to play an entire series and shoot like Joe Harris. All right. So they'll try to get Joe going. They'll try to get Blake going after he didn't make a basket yesterday. They will try to get these guys going. And I think they have the inner confidence that they'll say, and then whatever we need to do in the second half, meaning the big three, then we'll do it. That seems to be their attitude. Mm. Seems so funny. <laughs> you know what time it is? Game time. Game time. 
the games. Did Sherrod warn you about the games, Brian? He did. <laughs> he warned me there'd be some game coming. So what do we got here? <laughs> so our first game is the most popular one. It's called Fill in the Lane. You're just filling in the blank, the question or statement that I give you. So the first okay. one is, blank doesn't get nearly enough credit for what he has meant to the Brooklyn Nets this year. Is it cheating if I just say you're Boston boy? Because Bruce Brown does not get enough love. He doesn't. No. I mean, I, the players know what he's worth, right? right? I mean, they're 29 and 8 when he starts. So that makes him about 19 and 16 when he does it. Mm-hmm. From a guy who's coming off of your bench who largely was, again, no disrespect, but an afterthought compared to the big three, that's pretty impressive. And that shows all the stuff that he doesn't do, all the stuff that he does that don't show up in the stats, they combine to show up in that stat. 29 and 8 is pretty impressive. Yeah. He I I I I love Bruce. I, I absolutely love and, and my, my biggest fear uh was when Brooklyn got Blake Griffin and how that was going to cut into Bruce's minutes and and how just the domino effect that, that was going to have on their team because Bruce is—he's that one guy that just gets it. Uh, you know, it's if you're Kyrie, if you're KD, if you're James, you're awesome. You know, you're awesome, and everyone else on the planet knows that. But if you're Bruce Brown, you've got to figure out how can I help this team win. What can I do to be out on the floor? And he does all the stuff that people don't want to talk about. Uh, the thing that impresses me most about him is he's a six foot four dude who's getting you five rebounds and some change every night. <laughs> And, and these aren't just like grabbing long rebounds. He's getting in the weeds with, with cats. He is in the hood. He ain't in the suburbs getting long rebounds. He's going downtown in the hood. And I love that about Bruce. And I hate the fact that he played for Brooklyn. And I wish he was in Boston. I ain't going to lie. I ain't going to lie. From a, not even so much from their standpoint, but just from my own personal content creation standpoint. To have a local kid who's bringing it like that, you can talk yeah. about that all day. You could talk about that all day. Bruce Brown would be like a semi-god in Boston because people love his grind. They yeah. love that. And if I'm Brooklyn, don't if you blink and let that dude free, he it, he will not, like, as we talked about earlier, he ain't going to have a problem getting some, some money. He will not have an issue getting paid. Uh, it's it's, it's a matter of who is going to make that direct deposit to my bank account? Is it going to be you, Brooklyn, or is it going to be one of these other 29 cats? Because somebody's going to have that, that double D, that direct deposit. Someone's going to take care of that. Um, and it's going to be know that. I hope that, well, I can't say I hope they do because I really don't. Because, again, I would love for Bruce to come home. Um, good dude. Good dude. Uh, I'm sorry, Corny. I just hijacked the game show. I'm, no, that's I'm fine. Back. I think fans would enjoy a local <laughs> kid being on the team as well. So, to your point, that wouldn't be a far-fetched thing for Boston to be interested in someone like him. We have a new game called Starting Five in honor of the playoffs. Had to switch things up a little bit. So, I'm going to give you five names, and you give me the first word or phrase that comes to mind when I say their name. You ready? All right. <laughs> All right. First name, Kyrie Irving. Complicated. Jason yes. Tatum. Star. Okay, that's easy. James Harden. You've already used winner. complicated. Winner. He winner. is a winner. Okay. He hasn't won, but he's a winner. Mm, that's good. Marcus Smart. 
Tough. And finally, Kwame Brown. <laughs> You've already used complicated. <laughs> Choose your word carefully, Brian, because you know he coming for anyone and everyone. Except Jalen Rose. Complex. Mm. <laughs> well done. <laughs> there we go. Great job. <laughs> Excellent job, Brian. That will keep you off of the quantity I'm coming at you list. Right. Uh, I don't need that. Right, I don't right. need no, that. None life. of us do. No none of us do. <laughs> none of us need that smoke. But uh, I had 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 to had to had to put that on there. Um, complicated with Kyrie. Good one. Good one. He is. That is. I, you can't put him in a box. If you try to put him in a box, you'll fail. There's too yeah. much to him there. Yeah. Yeah, he, he will explain to you just how the, the confinement of this, this square accidental state that you want me to be in is not quite fitting for someone of my pedigree. And, and yeah, 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 he is complicated. Um, the thing the thing I always come back to with Kyrie is that he's very complicated and confusing in the same sense. But there's substance often to what he's saying. And sometimes I think he's a victim of uh, folks getting the messenger confused with the message. Uh, that their issue isn't so much what he's saying, but the fact that he's the one saying it, and thus they don't really understand or, or appreciate what he's trying to say and what he's trying to advocate for. And I, I feel bad at times for him because of that, because I do think it does create a narrative about who he is that just isn't based on what he's really about. But the problem I always run into with him is that when I get to that point where I'm having those kind of feelings about him, He'll say some stupid nonsense that you're just like, what the hell was he saying? That makes no sense. And that's, again, it goes back to your one word, complicated. He makes it very complicated to, to really get behind what he's trying to, with some of his messages. Sometimes, uh, listen, on occasion, his words will run away with him. On occasion. Right. Like you say, won't run away with him. Yeah, like, tune gone. Right. Uh, but if you actually sit and unpack what he's saying, and then take the time to try to understand the message or the idea behind them, there's usually some validity, mm -hmm. right? Now, occasionally he will be wordy with them. Occasionally it can come off as a little condescending. But the thought is there, and I think the heart is in the right place. Yeah. Example, the other day, he didn't want to talk to us about basketball because he was saying there were more important things going on in the world, which I think is obviously true, right? Yeah. There are more yeah, important yeah. things than yeah. a regular season basketball game. And particularly, he was disturbed by, you know, Palestine, Israel. Mm -hmm. That's all valid. That It's 100% true. I agree with him 100%. I'm not even going to say something flippant like a thousand fold. I agree with him 100%. However, when you're saying this and you're saying, well, I feel deeply, right? I feel this. In 2021, people will get triggered because they are going to hear you accusing them of not feeling. Right? When you're saying, well, what are you going to do about it? You know, I... If he's, he's saying this and there's a guy on the call with us who's from the Associated Press. I mean, take a look at the Associated Press building there. 
It's yeah. rubble, mm-hmm. right? Right. So when you're saying this to a guy who may very well, you know, be in a situation where some of his friends were in that building, yeah. it yeah. might be a little tone deaf. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. It might yeah. be a little tone deaf. Yeah. So I don't disagree with what he's saying. He's right. It's just sometimes the way he delivers the message can occasionally obscure the message. Yeah. Yeah. He he doesn't do as good a job of reading the room as I think he could. Um, Because he's he's not he's not dumb or anything like that. A lot of a lot of the stuff he says is is really on point. But again, sometimes he doesn't read the room. Um, Yeah. Well, he's not he's not dumb at all. And I don't think he's fake either. I think. What he's saying, I think, is true, and I think he feels it. And, I mean, his acts, some of which are publicized, some of which are not publicized, but when you're buying a house for Floyd's family, when you're contributing money out of your pocket to help WNBA players who are making a fraction, I mean, those those ladies make, you know, next to nothing. Yeah. Right? And you're contributing money out of your pocket to help support them, when you're buying food, funding a food bank during the pandemic, you know, and the other day he just, and I'm going to term it wrong. I don't know if I want to call it seed money, but it basically was a company, um, you know, an investment vehicle to help, uh, you know, black and brown businesses and so forth. When you're doing all of these things, I think your heart is in the right place. I, I don't doubt that for one second. For one second, it's just because he's Kyrie, some of the things that he says will trigger people, right? Yeah. Because I'll tell you right now, I can, I can, I can tweet oh, something innocuous. Kyrie Irving had 14 of his 27 points in the fourth quarter to beat Sacramento, right? Mm-hmm. I will tell you, my Twitter feed will instantly be filled with a lot of your compatriots from Boston. <laughs> all right all right and a lot of other guys with like the mirrored sunglasses with an eagle in the background oh. right yeah right with the shade Ooh. all right all of a sudden, Kyrie, this and that this and that yeah. you're supporting that so-and-so i'm like whatever i'm just telling you <laughs> what he says just happens to trigger people just because it's Kyrie, right? Yeah. If Tyler Johnson said the same thing, nobody would care, okay. right? And I'm not ripping Tyler. I'm not saying that he's obscure. It could even be another good player. If, you know, pick it, if Giannis said it. Right. Right? And yeah. the narrative behind them. Definitely it's doesn't. just because it's Kyrie and not Giannis. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Brian Lewis of the New York Post. Man, this was good, man. This was really good. Hopefully we'll we'll have a series in, in a week uh to talk even more uh about this Brooklyn Boston series and, and that they can both teams can keep this going a little bit. Uh I'm not overly optimistic about that. Uh but it, look, anything is possible. To, to quote the great poet Kevin Garnett. <laughs> oh, Grant Stevens didn't sound overly optimistic about it either. No, I thought, you know what? I thought he was playing some Phil Jackson Jedi mind trick game. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you guys. Because when yeah. I kept asking the Nets about it, 
they didn't want to take the bait. I said, listen, is yeah. this just him showing appropriate respect? Is this him trying to talk to his team saying, you see this? This is what the public thinks of y'all. They think you can't win. Or is this him trying to put some false security in the Nets' hearts thinking, oh, we don't even need to take this team seriously. Their own coach doesn't take it seriously. Yeah. We can sleep yeah. through this. Like, which yeah, I, is- I, yeah I, I think I thought it was more of him just trying to, to really try to get his guys to get really buy into that whole underdog role even more so than they are. Cause Brad is, look, Brad has been in the game long enough to know that you are not going to convince James Harden that this, that they can just show up and beat Boston because James has taken enough L's in games that matter where he ain't buying that. Kyrie has been in enough games where he had to elevate his play and his team's play. He's not buying it. And Kevin Durant, I mean, listen, there's there's a reason why he has one of the many nicknames for him is, is Slim Reaper. He is trying to bury you. Whether he's supposed to win by one or 41, it don't matter. As long as your team is six feet deep sooner rather than later, he's going to he's going to do what he has to do. So I, I, I can't buy that. He, that he, Brad had this this great this idea that maybe if I could just get their big three to think they're really, really good, then maybe we can sneak. Away. Hell no. That don't make no sense. I mean, that would, to me, if that's something that if you're a rookie coach, maybe you might think that if you haven't been in the NBA long enough to know how these things operate. But Brad, he, he's, he's been about a block a couple of times. He understands what he's dealing with and he understands who he's working with in that locker room. They needed to hear that message more. I'm convinced that one of the reasons why they came out and played as well as they did was because they were trying to show that their show their coach, that, hey, we we're just going to show up and get swept without no fight. Now, we may not fight for four quarters because that's kind of <laughs> what we do, but we're going to come oh, yeah. out here and start fighting. Exactly. So they made their point. Okay. And it was a respectable. That's what loss. I wanted to hear. I was curious because I said, well, I think he's talking to his team. Yeah. Through the media, yeah. talking to his team. So right. Yeah, they don't think and it happens either. all the time. It, it happens way more than people realize. I, I remember sure. I was telling someone just I was telling someone this the other day. Larry Brown was like one of the best at doing that. You know, he would go into a game favored to win by twelve, and he would talk about, oh, you know, Ben Wallace, Rasheed Wallace. I just don't know if they can handle, you know, Sajunas Ilgaskis tonight. He's he's gonna probably have a big game against us, and they go out and beat him by like thirty. And you're looking like. <laughs> Were were you really worried that y'all might not win this game? Right. Um, so I so I get the Jedi mind tricks, and I'm not gonna lie. Okay. If I were a coach, I would absolutely be going that route too. Um, yeah. But no, I I I'm not falling for the okie doke. And most of these veteran players, they not either. So. Wow. Okay. Brian, yeah. Brian Lewis, New York Post, my friend. Thank you for your time. We're gonna we'll, no we'll, we'll connect at some point again. Uh, I am absolutely <laughs> sure about that. Uh, and. Again, best of luck, my friend. Good stuff in the New York Post. Uh, I liked yeah. your story the other day on um, our good friend, and we talked a little bit about him earlier, our, our good friend Robert Williams III about Robin. just, you know, yes, Time Lord, as he's known to around here. Uh, Doris Burke I did not know that. Time Lord. Yeah. Doris Burke used on national television, so I think it's actually really? becoming a thing. So what's the thing? Yeah. The yeah we had, Doris Burke, on a, we had yeah. Doris Burke on a podcast a few weeks ago, and uh, she's like – one of the biggest Robert Williams fans out there. Uh, it's not even. It's not even funny. Uh, so good for her. Um, yeah. No, but the name but, uh, stems from him. He was late for his first practice with the Celtics, and somehow, what they call weird Celtics Twitter, they nominated him to be the Time Lord because he's somehow found a way to defy time, and that's stuck ever since. 
<laughs> yeah, he was late for a couple. He was late for a couple of, of different uh, team engagements okay. uh, early on. Uh, that you know, you just to me, it was just begging for a, a you know someone who sells these to actually get him a deal. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised he was he didn't get that. A watch yeah. dealers. Yeah, I, I heard that there there have been a couple companies that were kind of talking to him about it, but I don't think the terms were of his liking. Uh, but you know, you know. Maybe he didn't show. Maybe he didn't show up one time for the, for them to have a conversation about who knows. Uh, but <laughs> maybe he definitely year. showed up, right? But he's definitely showed up in time for this series. That's for sure. Um, so again, Brian Lewis, New York Post, my friend. Thank you so much for your time. Much appreciated. And uh, we'll be seeing you around the way. All right. Thank you much. Thanks for having me. See you, buddy. Sherrod, what stood out most to you from the conversation that we just had about these Brooklyn Nets? Lots of good stuff about the Brooklyn Nets, especially the you know the Kyrie talk and and and, and you know just some of the uh, feedback he gets when he writes anything about Kyrie on Twitter and things like that. Uh, but I think that the biggest thing for me is just the fact that they are still just trying to figure this thing out, and they're really good in the process, and they're not going to uh, take, frankly their position as a front runner in many respects for granted. So th that to me, I got the sense that, that that's really where their head's at. And that's not good for Boston because if this team isn't overconfident, you, it's going to be very difficult to beat them. I agree with you 100%. The more he spoke, the more I started to doubt that this Celtics team can come through throughout the series. But I'm not going to be down on them just yet. Game two, I might have to give that to the Nets, but I'm saying when they get back home to Boston – I could easily see them in that game three with the fact that they have more fans in the arena. I think that will make a big difference as well. I hope so. I hope so. But, you know, again, with them, it's just a matter of which Celtics team is going to show up. Is it going to be the one that we saw in the first half against Brooklyn, which I thought was really good? Or is it going to be the one we saw in the second half that just mm -hmm. didn't adjust to the changes that Brooklyn made? Uh, but, again, you just you just never really know what the Celtics and what you're going to get out of them. So, you're right. That's when you have a team that ended the season at exactly 0.500, you literally don't know which way. They are a coin toss. They're, they <laughs> are an absolute coin toss. Um, but I know it's not a coin toss. Uh, it's not a coin toss. Our good friends at betonline.ag, you know true. it, Kwani. <laughs> don't forget to subscribe and like us and leave Kwani and myself the gift that for over in time and always in time, the gift that we'll always keep giving. And that's a very good five-star review. Uh, we yeah. love those five-star reviews. So definitely, definitely keep that coming. And speaking of coming, uh, Kwani, what do you have coming content-wise? Yeah, NBC 10 Boston. We're actually going to also be previewing the Celtics game, Kyrie's return to Boston for, I think, the second time at this point. Yes, so stay tuned for that on NBC10Boston.com. And, of course, 10 Questions with NBC10 Boston. That's a recurring series that you can keep your eye on on a regular basis. What about you? Uh, we've got just playoff coverage for Bleacher Report and also for Boston Sports Journal. Uh, and, and, again, it'll mostly be Celtic-centric, but I'll, I'll do some league stuff as well. Uh, I, I, that's just kind of where I'm at and what I do. Um, and the A-List podcast is what we both do. So, uh this was this again another awesome amazing episode uh brian lewis from the new york post great stuff great content definitely check him out on the uh, new york post website uh good stuff as always and again for Kwani a lotus this is a shroud blakely this is the a-list podcast and we are out <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>